turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, January the 24th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. On January 24th, 1984, Apple Computer began selling its first Macintosh model. It boasted a built-in 9-inch monochrome display, a clock rate of 8 megahertz, and 120K of RAM. That was a big deal. Now it's a collector's item. Today, in 1848, James Marshall, he discovered a gold nugget at Sutter's Mill in Northern California. That discovery led to the gold rush of 1849. Today, in 1945, Associated Press war correspondent Joseph Morton was among a group of captives executed by the Germans at a concentration camp in Austria. Today, in 1965, Winston Churchill died in London. He was 90 years old. And today in 1978, a nuclear-powered Soviet satellite, it was Cosmos 954, it plunged through Earth's atmosphere and disintegrated, scattering radioactive debris over parts of northern Canada. Today in 1989, confessed serial killer Theodore Bundy, Ted Bundy, he was executed in Florida's electric chair, And today in 2013, President Barack Obama's defense secretary, Leon Panetta, he announced that they were lifting a ban on women serving in combat. Well, the New York Times is, I I don't know why they did what they did this morning, but they sort of told the truth. I guess it was a mistake. No, I'm kidding, but not really. The New York Times got it right this morning. They said the much-fabled power of New Hampshire's fiercely independent voters wasn't enough to break the spell of Donald J. Trump as cast over the Republican Party. The Times said brushing aside Nikki Haley a little over a week after he steamrolled her and, excuse me, Ron DeSantis in Iowa, Mr. Trump became the first Republican presidential candidate who was not a White House incumbent to carry the nation's first two contests. His winning margin of 11 percentage points in moderate New Hampshire demonstrated his ironclad control of the party's hard right base and set him on what could very well be a short march to the nomination. I was just surprised that the New York Times would say such things. It's true. But I was surprised that they would. For Miss Haley, they say, the former South Carolina governor, it was a disappointing finish in a state where she had poured considerable resources into caring. Well, she did. She spent $31 million in the state. She and her affiliated PACs that were trying to get her, are trying to get her elected. After $31 million and an incredible amount of time and effort in the state, the the uh, the final that I saw late last night, 
showed that Donald Trump got 54.9% of the votes in New Hampshire, and Nikki Haley got 43.1% of the votes. Ron DeSantis, who has withdrawn, he got 0.7%. And uh, even Chris Christie, he he withdrew here a while back, but he said his whole thing was to defeat Trump. He didn't do well at defeating Trump, but he did get 0.3% of the votes. He got 982, to be exact, out of the thousands cast. But it's interesting how that that event tied to the previous event in Iowa kind of shook the progressive world. It was a California earthquake kind of event for them. I think there was an awakening and an awareness in a sober way. The laughing stopped. The arrogance seemed to go into remission for the moment. The New York Times goes on to say that her efforts to cobble together a coalition of independents and anti-Trump Republicans with support from the state's popular governor, yes, Sununu is one of three Sununus that are in politics in the state. His dad is the former governor. They're Republicans, kind of. And... Um, his uncle is a U.S. senator, I think, or a state senator. But um, the Sununus were all over Nikki Haley. They were trying to you know, help her win in the state. That didn't help her at all. Even though they're very popular, they seem to be liked in the state. But the New York Times says, even though Miss Haley is vowing to fight on, the difficult terrain ahead in South Carolina means that this first-in-the-nation primary could turn out to be the last. Um, polls are showing that Trump is quite a bit ahead of her in her own state, where she was once governor. We'll see how that turns out. That's coming up in several weeks from now, but we'll keep you posted as we move toward that. One of the more conservative uh, news websites this morning says Nikki Haley relied heavily on the support of independents and Democrats in the New Hampshire primary, yet she still lost by wide margins. That's true. In fact, CNN, <laughs> maybe we're having a revival among the, the, the left here, but CNN even reported the truth, sort of. They said of Haley's voters in the Granite State, CNN said, quote, about 7 in 10 said they were registered or undeclared prior to Tuesday. As or they were registered as undeclared prior to Tuesday. In other words, CNN was drawing from an exit poll to make that shocking statement, and it did. It a lot of people were quoting them last night. But New Hampshire's loose requirements allow for voters to cross over, while future Republican caucuses and primaries will consist from here on out overwhelmingly of registered Republicans. The, the, her appeal was really to the to the middle and even to the left, to the progressives in the state, and they just simply didn't bite. And the Republicans did not choose her. They chose Trump strongly. Three minutes after the poll closed, Associated Press was calling the election for Trump. So if you weren't following any of that, I did. But if you weren't, it didn't take very long to know what was going to happen. 
and Associated Press made the call. It took them 30 minutes in Iowa before they uh, called the election saying that Trump would win uh, statistically, and he did, uh, big, 30 points or something. So that's what's happening in the political world. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The psalmist wrote, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Psalm 32 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Isaiah, the prophet, he got all of this. He said, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. We live in a time of tremendous confusion. Somebody said the other day, I, uh, some noted person that's on the media a lot, they made the statement, uh, something to this effect, um, we're, we're slogging through corruption in America, and it, we're, knee, or we're knee deep slogging through corruption in America. I thought, man, we're clear to our armpits in corruption. It's not knee deep. It's way beyond that. We There is so much dishonesty. There is so much misleading and misinformation. And even there, this administration tries to set up these panels and these parts of his government to to fight misinformation and they turn out being a platform for misinformation and disinformation it's just simply more than some people can handle and it, it's taking a toll on america for sure but to the believer to the follower of jesus christ we look to god to guide us and he will he's faithful as scripture says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. If we look at our world and what's happening in our world through the eyes of God, we can do so by looking at what's happening in our world through the lens of God's word. Because God's word is thus saith the Lord. It is the truth. Jesus Christ was the word made flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. So if we look at things from that perspective, it gets, it calms down. It's not so violent and so out of control. It's still what it is, but we see it in the scope of eternity as well as in the moment. And that makes all the difference in the world. Putting your trust in Jesus Christ believing that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead for your sins and mine makes all the difference in the world. Yes, it establishes eternity with God, but it also gives you a peace that passes all understanding in today's crazy world, upside down. Right is wrong and wrong is right and up is down and down is up and 
it's hard to maneuver. I feel sorry for people who have no anchor, who have no basis to live out their life. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes everything. Everything. It doesn't make all the bad stuff go away, but it gives us a perspective and a blessed hope that we cannot and do not have otherwise. That's why it's so important that we keep that in front of us as we look at the events of the day in which we live. Thank you for your support of this ministry. As you know, I feel strongly about it. I wouldn't be doing it otherwise. Honest, I wouldn't. It's not that I don't like to do it. I just wouldn't be doing it. But I feel so passionate about this. And to so many of you who support us and make it possible, as we say often, if it weren't for you, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be here. Thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Well, President Joe Biden's deputies have let in 6.2 million illegal migrants into the United States, according to the Congressional Budget Office, CBO. Yeah, it's official. Biden's southern inflow is more than one migrant for every two American births since January of 2021. Let me say that again. Biden's southern inflow, the people he's bringing into the country illegally, is more than one migrant for every two American births since 2021. 6.2 million, at least, illegal migrants. Something has got to give. More than those people... More of them are being released into the United States than previously and generally through the use of parole authority. I want to talk to you a little bit about this parole authority or with a notice to appear before an immigration judge. According to this CBO report, I mean, it's on the record. The, re the report is called the Demographic Outlook 2014 to 2054. They're looking at the demographics of America during that time period. In the report, the CBO says 2023 inflow includes 900,000 migrants who were released after they walked up to the border, official border gates, plus 1.1 million migrants who were released after they crossed through the gaps in the border wall. The CBO agency, which it acts as an advisor to Capitol Hill legislators, I don't know, maybe they're not listening to these facts. I don't know. Certainly the president is. He's ignoring them. I mean, he really is. He talks about the, the, the right trying to destroy democracy, but man, we're not a democratic country in the first place. We're a republic. But secondly, if there's any threat of democracy, he's destroying it, not the right. Roughly half of those migrants, 1.1 million, were let into the country by October 1st, 2023, using this parole loophole. Biden and his Democrat allies are not trying to expand the parole, are, are now trying to expand this parole uh, doorway loophole. He says his deputies pulled at least 1.6 million economic migrants into the United States via the little-known parole emergency doorway in the nation's border law. That's according to Lindsey Graham. He was testifying the other day, and he was pretty hot about it. I mean, he was worked up. 
he said the same parole doorway was only used 334,321 times during the six years from 2014 to 2019, or roughly 5,720 times per year. This is according to the data that Graham showed at this press briefing for the U.S. Senate. It was coming from the CBO. The data shows that Biden's deputies paroled 235 migrants for every parolee released by Presidents Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Biden's parole is a bonanza for migrants and their U.S. employers. And that's part of what's driving this, is there are people in America who care more about their bottom line than they do America. What they don't understand or don't care is once they destroy this country, it will probably never recover. And their business won't either. But maybe they count on being dead and gone by then, and it won't matter to them. I don't know what they think, but I I can sure tell you what they're doing. So under this new arrangement, this parole loophole, illegal aliens, migrants, could come stay for two years or more. They receive an identification number that allows them to get driver's licenses and other government documents, are put on a five-year track for government aid, and quickly get a work permit that helps them send remittances to families at home, mostly Mexico, but all over the world now, or to pay smugglers to bring the families, their families, to the United States. That's what's going on. It's a sham. It is undermining, it is corrupt to the core what these people are doing. But yet there is a part of the Christian community that is standing and saying, no, we must continue to do this because it's biblical. We have to to do this for the stranger. The Bible tells us to do this for the stranger. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that at all. And these people either are knowingly or unknowingly using Scripture to mislead people, and they are themselves misled if they really believe the Bible says that. Be certain there will soon be an attempt to clear all of these 6.2 million illegals to vote in the upcoming presidential election in November. I don't know if it'll be successful, but they'll try to get ballots in their hands. Probably three, four, five, maybe 10 or 12 ballots in the hand of each illegal. Why would an illegal care? I mean, why would they not want, or why would they want to play by the rules? Do they suddenly change from illegal to citizen? No, they don't. Some do. I mean, there's honest people trying to come across the border, but when they come across the border illegally, and these are illegals. They're a lawbreaker. I mean, I'm sorry, but they just are. And please don't tell me that, well, you don't understand. There's people really live in dire straits. Oh, I do understand. I've been with them. I've been in these countries as doing missionary and evangelism work. Oh, I've stayed in their homes, on their dirt floors. I do understand. That's my point. I get it. This is not good for America, and ultimately it will choke us and we will die a, a a death from a thousand cuts. Lindsey Graham said to the White House, he said, it's a red line for all of us Republicans. He said, you're not going to be allowed to continue to do this. You're not going to be allowed to abuse the law. You're not going to be allowed to bring about 1.2 million people into this country annually in perpetuity. Well, yes, they will, Lindsey, if they stay in office. 
The CBO data does not include hundreds of thousands of migrants released since October 1st, 2023. It's more than the number stated just in the last two, three months. The report noted that CBO estimates that on net, the number of people immigrating to the United States was 1.2 million in 2021, 2.7 million in 2022, and 3.3 million up to October of 2023. That's the 6.2 million illegal migrants. So you can add, well, at the present rate, several hundred thousand in the last 90 days. I found it strange, though, that the CBO, the the report, predicts, and I I wrote an article on this on our website, faithandfreedom.us, and um, I link this. We we source what we talk about here, and, and we source what we write and publish, because I don't know all this. I learn this stuff from a number of sources, and we spend time on it every day, and many of you recognize that and thank us for the amount of time that we obviously put into this, and thank you. But I found it strange that CBO predicts that without any evidence that the migrant inflow will drop rapidly after 2024. They put that in the report, and that caught my attention. In fact, there's a a chart in the report that's in my article. I included that, that, that shows the dramatics of that dropping to a just above zero uh, number after 2024. And I'm wondering, are they suggesting that Trump is going to be president and do what he did before and shut off this self-inflicted suicide? I don't know. Or do they just believe it'll be self-correcting and everything's going to work out okay? I don't know what they think, but they actually said that in their report. The policy takes jobs and wealth from Heartland It states, by subsidizing coastal investors and government agencies with a flood of low-wage workers, high-occupancy renters, and government-aided consumers. That's what they're doing to this country. This this vote is is not about your preference of political parties. It's about the life and death of America. That's where we are today. But is this, if we were to respond to this and shut off this flow of illegal aliens, is this a biblical approach to the stranger? Back in April of 2021, I wrote a little bit about this, and I've spoken about it before, and I've I've written about it. But let me go over this with you again. And maybe you've heard me talk about this, but this is my position on the biblical position of illegal entry into the United States under the guise of, or under any guise, but particularly under the guise of Christian compassion. That isn't Christian compassion. Girls are being raped all the way up through Mexico, little ones, 12 years old and older. I mean, is that compassion? No. And it's facilitating. And they have reported, it's been reported, that these... um, the cartels working the border, just the Mexican border, are making about $32 million per week in transporting and bringing people across the border. Anyway, open borders, they like to claim 
the Bible supports what they call comprehensive immigration reform. They're always using that term. Well, the Bible doesn't, does not support that. They like to use Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. And thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Exodus chapter 23, verse 9 reminds us that we know how a stranger feels. It says, for you lived as strangers in the land of Egypt. Clearly, anyone of Judeo-Christian faith, when they read that passage, would want to do the right thing regarding the stranger in our land. The religious left has built an open, open borders movement off that scripture and a couple of others that seem to support open borders. The key question is, who is the stranger? The religious left argues that a stranger is any foreigner who immigrates, including those who break the law to do so. That's not true, and that's not what the Bible says. Welcome the stranger is now the banner for the religious left. The Bible clearly defines a stranger as a, quote, man of non-Israelite birth, a resident in the promised land with the permission of the Israelite authorities. Your Bible dictionary leads you through these verses. I mean, it's not like rocket science. I mean, if I can know this and study it, you can too, for sure. I mean, just follow your Bible dictionary or any lead, any honest Bible reference to this. So the stranger in Israel was an immigrant who was in the country with permission. Our founding immigration laws were based on Judeo-Christian principles, including that one. But we've taken out the permission part, other than maybe Joe Biden, he's giving, I guess, permission. But the government, the country is not. When a stranger is mentioned in the Bible, it always refers to a legal alien, not an illegal one, like Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. Borders are important in the most ancient biblical times. When Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he asked permission each time he crossed a border and entered a new land. Look it up. Study the Bible on this issue. When he was denied permission to enter, he changed course and took a different route. About 2,000 years before Christ, Egypt was an oasis of prosperity and opportunity, much like the United States is today. It was a magnet for migrants suffering from climate or economic difficulties. When famine struck the land of Canaan, Abraham, for example, turned to Egypt for relief. Genesis 12, verse 10. Egypt didn't appreciate the surge at their borders because it included hostile marauders and foreign barbarians, which they deemed a threat to their country. In Genesis 12, we see the story where Abraham lied to the authorities, claiming his wife was his sister. Remember that story? And the authorities expelled him from Egypt, and Abraham complied with the authorities. He didn't try to break back in. In Hebrew, the Bible uses two different words to define a foreigner and an alien. A foreigner was a person from another land, like a tourist or businessman, doing business in the country with permission. An alien was a person from another land who planned to take up residence, again with the permission of the host country. That's There's more, but that's the essence of the Bible and the truth about illegal aliens. From the beginning of time, God's way has been to do it with permission to control migrants.
coming into any nation, including that of the United States. I know that doesn't match up with a lot of the left, including leftist Christians, but that's what the Bible says. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.